Hello everyone, we're in the middle of a three-week series called Resurrection Hope and uh, I for one, whenever I think about the resurrection, I think about a scene in the New Testament where Jesus is having breakfast with his disciples uh, on the shore of the lakeside. So I have come down to Church Norton this afternoon to do this recording. Now, uh, last week, Louise spoke about the evidence for the, res for the resurrection based on verses 1 to 11. And next week, Ellen will be looking at the consequences of the resurrection based on verses 20 to 34. But in our section this week, Paul is addressing the issue of some people in Corinth who are saying that dead men don't rise. In verse 12 of our passage, Paul writes, but if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, don't you realise the implications of what you are saying? If what you're saying is true, that the dead don't rise, then certain things necessarily follow. Understand that if you push one domino in a series, others will fall. Understand that if you take away the foundation of a building, the structure will collapse. Understand that your belief that dead men don't rise has knock-on effects. If you believe that dead men don't rise, then Paul would say to you that certain things follow. Certain things follow about Christ, certain things follow about you, and certain things follow about Paul himself and his fellow messengers. So let's take a look at those in turn. If dead men don't rise, then certain things follow about Christ. Specifically, one thing follows. Jesus is still dead. Verse 13. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. But that's problematic because there's strong evidence that Jesus has been raised. For 25 years, actor David Suchet popularised the character of Hercule Poirot, the idiosyncratic Belgian detective from the Agatha Christie novels. And like Sherlock Holmes, Poirot's fame was built on observation, evidence and logic. Often he had a gut feel about a case, but his real skill was in being able to find the proof to support his gut feel. Interestingly, David Sushi had a gut feel about Jesus Christ and his resurrection, and like the character that he played, he sought out the proof. I was determined to prove it wrong. I was determined that the resurrection never happened. But on this occasion, in his real life, his gut feel let David Suchet down. David Suchet found faith in Christ and in his resurrection, because that's the way that the evidence points. If dead men don't rise, then Jesus is still dead. But the evidence points to Jesus still being alive. And in the face of the evidence, to carry on maintaining that dead men don't rise, is to bury our heads in the sand. Author Margaret Hefferman in her book Willful Blindness, Why We Ignore the Obvious, writes this. 
challenge to our big ideas feels life-threatening and so we strive mightily to reduce the pain either by ignoring the evidence that proves we are wrong or by reinterpreting evidence to support us. Psychologist Anthony Greenwald called this phenomenon the totalitarian ego, which, he said, operates just like a police state, locking away threatening or incompatible ideas, suppressing evidence and rewriting history, all in the service of a central idea or self-image. If dead men don't rise, then Jesus is still dead. But that is to throw away threatening or incompatible ideas. That is to suppress the evidence. That is to rewrite history. Now for the evidence of the resurrection, you can listen to Louise's message from last week. You can come on an Alpha course. You can read a book like Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. You can watch a video on YouTube, there's one by William uh, Lane Craig called Evidence for Jesus' Resurrection, recorded at Southampton. Lots of ways that you can find out the evidence for Christ's resurrection. But my task today is not to present that evidence. My task is to show that if dead men don't rise, then certain things follow. If dead men don't rise, Certain things follow about Christ, and certain things follow about you. Firstly, you are still in your sins, verses 16 and 17. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Commentator David Pryor writes, the unanimous testimony of the scriptures is that the wages of sin is death. Death marks the end result of that separation from God which sin inevitably produces. If Jesus stayed dead, there are only two possible conclusions. Either he was not the sinless person everyone thought him to be, and his death marked his final separation from God, or he might have been without personal sin but his attempts to atone for the sin of the world by his death did not meet with divine approval. Either way, we are still in our sins, cut off from God and facing his judgment like everyone else. If the dead don't rise, you are still in your sins. And therefore, Paul says, your faith is futile. The Greek word is matios, it means worthless, futile, useless, empty. Imagine you're going for a walk and you pinpoint a place on a map for your destination. And with excitement you set off and you get to a river which is too deep and too fast to cross except by a bridge. But that's not a problem because there's a bridge on the map so you follow the directions to the bridge and you get to the bridge and it's collapsed. It's collapsed into the water. It's useless. It's worthless. You cannot reach your destination. Paul, in Ephesians 2.8, says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. But if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is like that broken bridge. It's worthless. It's futile. It's empty. It's useless. There is no way to God. 
But if dead men don't rise, then something else follows about you, or more precisely, about you when you die. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Those loved ones you hope are enjoying God's presence in heaven, forget it. Seeing them again when your time comes, not a chance. Being lost in the Bible is often a euphemism for being dead. On one occasion in the Old Testament, the Israelites were afraid to approach God. And in number 17, we read, the Israelites said to Moses, we shall die. We are lost. We are all lost. Anyone who even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord will die. Are we going to die? And on another occasion in the New Testament, a ship was being battered to destruction on the Mediterranean Sea. Its passengers had given up hope of being saved, but Paul encouraged them saying, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. To be lost is to die. And if dead men don't rise, then there is no hope of a life to come for those who have died. If dead men don't rise, then certain things follow about Christ, certain things follow about you, and finally, these things follow about Paul, and by implication, others of us too. Firstly, his preaching was empty, or useless, or pointless, and so is mine and so is Ellen's, and so is Louise's, and so is Andy's and everyone else's. Your giving to the church, if you give to CBC, which makes a staff team possible, is a lot of the time funding activity which is worthless and useless. I joined West Sussex County Council in 1987 as a trainee computer programmer and I spent much of my first couple of years working on a project to develop software to administer the poll tax, which was eventually implemented in 1990. Three years later, it had been scrapped and replaced, and so had my work. Years of work, my work and other people's work, completely put aside, completely useless and worthless once the new legislation had come in. If Christ has not been raised, then the message Paul preached and the message that we preach is useless, it's worthless. As useless as the thousands of lines of code that we wrote in the late 1980s. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul compares himself to some other false preachers that were doing the rounds. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. 
I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And for what, Paul, if the dead don't rise? For nothing. It was all a complete and utter waste of time. But it's worse, because this also follows if the dead don't rise. Verse 15, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. Paul's whole life was founded on a fraud or a hoax if the dead don't rise. Paul said he had seen the risen Christ. Peter said he had seen the risen Christ. The other disciples said they had seen the risen Christ. 500 other people mentioned earlier in the chapter claimed to have seen the risen Christ. The whole thing is an elaborate deception if the dead don't rise. They're all saying they saw something or someone that they didn't see. Mark Twain said, a lie can travel around the world and back again while the truth is lacing up its boots. Well, this lie has run and run and run if the dead don't rise. A hoax can come in any shape or size and its effects can be variable. If you fall for a hoax about Hercules, the horse-sized dog, no harm will come to you. If you fall for a hoax investment scheme, you could lose a lot of money. If you fall for a hoax political broadcast, you could be incited to violence. But if dead men don't rise, this is the most damaging hoax in history. Men and women and children continue to be discriminate, discriminated against, imprisoned, tortured, martyred, for their faith in Christ. If it's all based on a hoax, then this is absolutely appalling. So let's recap on five things that follow if the dead don't rise. Christ hasn't been raised, despite the evidence to the contrary. You are still in your sins. Those who have died are lost, the gospel message is worthless. The gospel messengers are liars. This is all an elaborate hoax. Why does it matter if the dead don't rise? These five statements present us with five dilemmas. Firstly, they present us with an intellectual dilemma. If the dead don't rise, I must believe that Christ didn't rise, contrary to the evidence. I must bury my head in the sand. Secondly, they present us with a spiritual dilemma. If the dead don't rise, then I am still in my sins, and I cannot approach a holy God. Thirdly, they present us with an emotional dilemma. If the dead don't rise, then there is no hope for those who have died already. We will never see them again. Fourthly, they present us with a practical dilemma. We are spending time and money on something that is useless and worthless. 
And then finally, they present us with a moral dilemma because our whole lives are based and perpetuated down through the centuries on a hoax. And if you're listening to this, the chances are that you too are perpetuating those lies. Does all this mean that the dead do rise? Well, no. As I said earlier, my talk is not intended to present the evidence for the resurrection. But to show that it matters. You see, if Santa Claus doesn't exist, then really it's no big deal. Not to me anyway. But if the dead don't rise, then intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, practically, morally, my life is in tatters. And so, I would like to suggest, is yours. Believe me, this really does matter. But I also happen to believe that it's true. The dead do rise. Christ has risen. I'm not in my sins anymore. One of my favourite verses uh, at Christmas is from Matthew 1, 21. Mary named her baby Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I will see my loved ones again. They're not lost, they are with Christ. I'm not wasting my time speaking about the good news of Jesus Christ, because by that message, people commit to and grow in their faith in Christ. And my life is not based on a pack of lies, but the truth, which coincidentally is why it rings true and why by following the truth, people uh, gain purpose and experience love and joy and peace. So this is my resurrection hope, that Jesus really is alive. And I pray that it will be your resurrection hope too.